four men with four distinct talents decided to change the conversation surrounding their favorite sport. This week, we speak to the founders and hosts of Entre Rounds, an MMA show that is showing sports-hungry Latinos that this particular sport is deep, captivating, and a hell of a lot of fun. Sports journalist and analyst Andres Lichfeld, promoter and trainer Eduardo Balú Vargas, producer Gonzalo Pipo Wagner, and Bellator fighter Eric Goyito Perez, they make up the voices for a weekly dive into hard-hitting but nuanced world of MMA. And before they were friends, they were colleagues, chopping it up about the sport they loved while working for Combate Americas. They're still very much giving fans MMA entertainment, only now they're doing it their own way. Okay, so we all we all uh, we all work for the same company, right? Combat Americas. It was the Latino, the Hispanic MMA league, right? That was the main focus was to have Latino fighters given the platform to showcase their talents, right? And we all have different roles there. I was doing PR at the time. Andres was doing digital. Balu was the matchmaker. Angojito was one of our fighters. Um, I think I will consider that time the golden era of Combate um, because it was when the growth of Combate was like really hitting up, right? We were like getting all that Copa Combate that was, I, I think, was Balu's idea to do this tournament with eight guys from eight different countries, one night, three fights. It was crazy. Um, and for, for us, for me and Andres that we're doing PR at, at the time and digital, uh, it was amazing because it was like a workout. So it was really easy to, to to show the sport to all the other Latino countries, right? That they didn't know about the sport to show them in a way that they would understand, like that would, they would relate to. It was like kind of soccer. So it, it, it kind of, that's how we start doing um, combate, uh, combate and how we became friends. Then it happens to be that after the pandemic, the, the pandemic, or what do you call it? Is the, the pandemic, the, yeah. Pandemic happened. Uh, okay, you're that way. No, no, no. It's because I have, I have, I have. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so we were doing the. Um, so the pandemic here, Ryan, we were. You're, like, you're not Latino if there's no noise in the background. <laughs> they're doing like, they're like, like, to they're be doing, Latino, there's always fucking noise in the background. They're doing the inspection check right now, the house inspection. Um, uh, <laughs> thank you, guys. So, anyway, so what happened was that after the pandemic hit, I was with Andres and we tried to do sports. We, I'm like, we have to keep doing what we were doing. We have to keep teaching MMA to all the, the guys because we became kind of a reference and we became the guys that people will come to us and be like, hey, can I talk to this fighter? Can I talk to this fighter? I'm like, we are not with those fighters anymore. But yes, they need the exposure anyways. So let's let's build that for them. Uh, and that's when I, I convinced Balu and Balu convinced Gojito and here we are, the four of us. <laughs> that's very much how it went. Okay, and then I guess... You know, kind of jumping on uh, off of that, and also I'm, I'm at my parents' house, so you know, talking about like noise in the background. I'm surprised there's not a dog barking right now. So soon, soon I'll have to cut out the dog dog noise. But um, maybe for Andreas or anyone who wants to take this, what does it mean? Um, you know, MMA coverage for Latinos. Um, how important is the sport? How important is the sport now as it was? You know, maybe ten years ago, and you know. Uh, like people were saying, you know, there was kind of a lack of, of, of coverage, um, not for lack of trying, but I think there's just, there hasn't been really, you know, um, a spotlight on it. Um, what's it like now? What's the, what are the challenges? Yeah. The, the thing is that if we compare the, the Latin market of MMA to the United States market, it's like very different. You know, the, the American market is way more developed than the, the Latin counterpart. So we can say that MMA in Latin America, in, in, if we're speaking about media, it's in diapers right now. Mm -hmm. But there's also a big generation of fighters, the upcoming fighters that have the talent, and they also need that kind of exposure to maybe get to the place where they want to be. Like it's, it's, a, it's a combination of few things that have to be there for the whole movement to go up. So... It's very interesting because um, the storylines of Latino fighters, they are all interesting because they all had to struggle a lot 
It's first go out of your country, abandon your home, then go risk your life, risk the, the few money you may have in your bank account to go reach your dreams. Then go to a gym, try to be the the best there, find an opportunity. Like it's always an important um, an important storyline behind each Latin fighter. So that's that's uh, one of the things that is most important for us is to make people know that yeah they are fighters to make the people know the fighters, but actually uh, get uh, get the people to know the background of each fighter. And I think that in all sports, that human side is what attaches new fans, is what attaches new people, because they may know no, uh, they may not know the sport uh, very well, because a new sport in Latin America, if we want to say it like that, again, media-wise. But if you... If, if people can uh, get the opportunity to know the fighters, know that maybe there's a, an MMA event in your hometown uh, with uh, like crossing the street and people don't know it because they are not, they are not, um, they are not on the news of MMA in Spanish language for Latin Americans. So with, by doing Entre Rounds, uh, we, we feel that we are, we are pushing all those areas and giving people, giving Hispanics the information of MMA, the, the simplest way possible. Because when we talk in our show, we're talking like we're, we're talking in a, in a table, drinking some beers, talking MMA. Very simple, very straightforward, and very, and very honest. So that's, that's, that's why for me it's very important that MMA coverage in Latin America has to grow. And by, by doing that, I'm sure that more fighters are going to have the opportunity to, to reach their goals. And... You know, I definitely want to go into kind of the, the different, you know, iterations you have of your show, you know, Vista, Compass, and all, all, you know, what you guys offer, you know, your audiences. But, you know, I want to ask Oito because I think you all bring a different perspective of the sport. And you being a fighter that's, you know, been a combate, um, UFC, Bellator, you know, you've, you've kind of been everywhere. Where is the MMA landscape right now? you know, before COVID, before the pandemic? And then also, where is it right now during it? You know, what are the challenges that you're facing? Eric Goyito Perez is far more comfortable speaking in Spanish, just as he has done in the past for broadcasts as a UFC commentator and as an analyst on Entre Rounds. Here he delves into the very power and meaning behind being a pioneer, the very first Mexican fighter to fight full-time in the UFC, and how his current show spotlights so many up-and-coming athletes. So with Bellator, I'm guessing there's there's a comfort level there that maybe wasn't there. I mean, um, I'm guessing that this is kind of the where you could see yourself really grow. I guess in Bellator. Yeah, uh, lamentablemente, en mis últimas dos peleas no, no he tenido 
eh, los resultados que, que he querido tener en mi última pelea pues eh, no estaba ahí, no sé qué pasó eh, siento que, que Bellator es una muy buena oportunidad es, es la liga donde estoy, es la liga donde, donde ahora estoy compitiendo eh, siento que puedo, que, que puedo crecer en esta liga pero pues bueno, necesito, necesito regresar y, y hacer una muy buena pelea para, para regresar otra vez a, a, a la andada And then, you know, as far as, you know, Balu, your perspective coming into this too, where has, you know, I, like we've been saying, the, the, the media spotlight on the sport for Latinos hasn't been, you know, um, where it might be for maybe football or something like that. Um, how has it been from kind of a promotion and talent scouting side? Uh, you know, I, I, I joined the promotion in 2014. Uh, I, I was behind. I'm the whole TV deal, helping them out and, and getting them together with a large promotion, a large television network in, in Mexico. So for a whole year, I worked on the non, on just kind of selling the the sport to them and why it's why it's just as exciting as boxing, why it's just as good as soccer, and why it's the next big thing that's growing right in in a mainstream type of way. So for a whole year, I worked on that project, trying to convince people that knew nothing about the sport, that the sport is not barbaric, but it's one of the safest sports out there. Mm -hmm. And the athletes that do it, um, you know, are, are top of the line athletes compared to soccer players, football players. These guys are, are just as tough and not tougher than any other athlete I've ever met. Uh, 2015, 16, 17, you saw the sport grow and the platform started coming out to where you started seeing Combate Americas being as first considered, oh, great, it's another little small promotion. Let's see what happens. No, it actually started growing into a promotion where People weren't answering the calls when I was calling to see if you would want to fight for me, right? I, I, I would get the laugh, like, uh, yeah, okay, I'm going to fight for Combat Americas, right? And then they started, we started putting on little shows with guys that had no name, no recognition, but they were, they had that following. And something about the sport in, in MMA, in, well, any sport in Latin America is behind a person you know, no matter what, because you want to cheer on your countrymen, right? So we got Colombia and you got all these Colombian people going, let's go Colombia. You got a guy from Mexico and it's like the Olympics, right? In Mexico, you, you watch the guy that's speed walking in the Olympics and there's thousands of people applauding them, but they don't know what's going on. Right. And that was the same thing with the sport. It's like, okay, there's, there's now that's, it's a country thing. Like Andres mentioned earlier in soccer, where everyone's behind the Latino, the, the, the Colombian, the Argentinian, the, the guy from Monterrey, the guy from, so it became like little rivalries. Right. And so you started seeing the sport grow. So then guys started, answering the calls and then guys started knocking on the door and asking if I could fight for the promotion. And I was like, okay, yeah, come on in, you know? And so it started growing and growing and growing. And then we were able to pull big names. And, and obviously I think the biggest name that the promotion pulled at that time was, was, was Eric, right? Guarito. And what it did, it also, it, it gave, it gave them that comfort that there was something other than the UFC and Bellator and PFL, but there was a platform for Latin America for them to, kind of evolving right and there was already four other leagues that were just kind of stuck regional wise but this one was kind of growing right and so what it did is it also started promoting a lot more fighters to to want to to take that next step mm -hmm. and not just you know i'm not going to go to the united states i'm going to stay here in latin america and i'm going to grow here and i'm going to stay with my camp i'm going to stay and, and i'm going to grow And there was places for them to fight. So the scouting was easier for us to do because we were seeing these just like super camps evolve. Mm -hmm. So instead of people going into the United States and joining like Jackson's AKA or whatever those big, big camps are, they were staying here. Like the ones in Tijuana, the ones in Monterey, the ones in Argentina that we, that we got to visit. Um, and you're starting to see the development of the sport. The, the, the bad part about this pandemic is that the sport was going uphill really well and it was going and it was going and it was going. And then the pandemic just took, 50 steps back because of the visa issues um, and, and not being able to put live events, right? Because in order to support those events, uh, you need people. Mm -hmm. And so you need to get these events in Latin America, not like the United States where it's like television deals, right? That many television deals down here in Mexico or Latin America. So it's all like people based, right? So um, I think the sport was going really, really, really well. And then right now I just took 50 to 100 steps back. But it's still an open market because there's thousands of talent. There's so much talent uh, that we keep saying on our show and what Goyito said, right? It's like we're, we're, we're trying to taste the, the talent that exists. And there's so much talent right now that hasn't been polished or hasn't been given that chance. Uh, or it's a market that's just kind of being ignored. And uh, but I think I think 
someone is going to capitalize on it in 2020. I just have a feeling someone has to capitalize on it because it's too big. Ever since I started out, people have been asking me for advice on all kinds of things. But in covering sports, it's usually about who's going to win and what team they should bet on. You got the Patriots or 49ers this week, Bucks or Raiders. Well, the best piece of advice I can give to anyone is where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. It's why I always tell people to visit my bookie. They've got deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prize contests for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action? Check. College ball, check. Plus, they have a mobile-friendly website and top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting, making sure you're covered every step of the way. And congrats if you're one of the ones to cash in on the generous early season odds on the Lakers to win the NBA championship. Sign up at MyBookie today. And when you do, use our promo code FUEGO to claim a halfway match on your deposit. If you put in $200, they'll spot you another $100 to play with. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code FUEGO. That's FUEGO. F-U-E-G-O. So you can claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more await you. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Well, it seems like you guys are kind of, you know, filling that gap. Like you said, that was perfect as far as the speed skating. I mean, speed walking, because, yeah, every four years, I'm like, oh, this sport's dope, you know, and then you never hear about it. But you guys are filling in that gap as far as bringing the um, the, the the passion for this, this for MMA, um, but then teaching, you know, for like, you know, I grew up, you know, Mexican-American house, you know, it's all about boxing um, right. and not you know then oh there's this what's mma all about you know when i was growing up i remember seeing the very first you know fights um you guys are kind of being that that voice and kind of the the, the teacher behind it um how has it been um you know i know you guys are still getting you know doing the facebook shows doing the streamings and then um you just started the podcast um how has the reception been say that uh one of the most important things right now is that many people that wasn't watching or, or you know following mma on a weekly basis do it now because of our show um because that's that's the reason i mean what we say there is very simple but straightforward very honest and we know what we're talking about and the cool thing is that you said uh there's different points of view like gonzalo as a producer he also wasn't a, a promotion he has a journalist but he was a fighter but he was a coach or, a, or an executive so that that helped us a lot to to have reaction from people either the people that has been following mma from the past or either new people that uh they're kind of interested then they watch the show they understand it a little bit more and they want to keep learning a little bit more so that's i think that's one of the biggest wins uh, wins sorry that we're we're having new uh new people watching this sport because of what we're saying they are being educated I think that's one of the, the problems about the, the MMA at the start is that uh, you first watch it and, and many people may say that, oh, it's uh, cockfighting, oh, oh, you know what we've been hearing. But then when they start to listen, they start little by little uh, understanding that those are athletes, that they are preparing themselves, all the, the hard work, all that needs to be done they start uh they start to watch it as a sport not as a fight and from there they they start getting interested and all the information we give is, is part of that teaching like for mma having new fans we first got to get educated fans parking dog aside and i knew he would make a cameo the guys make a great point here about the mission behind entry rounds it's a crash course in mma delivered to the very audience that grew up more on boxing and soccer and baseball all that's needed now is to give another sport the chance it deserves yeah, there's a there's a lot of people that are um, that we simplify to that never understood weight cutting they don't understand wrestling they don't understand kick 
boxing, Muay Thai. They don't understand why do you go to the ground? Why do you not go to the ground? Why do you walk on the fence? Those are the things that we talk about. Plus, we have Goyita where, where, where you know, he was giving us a live play-by-play where he was at Bellator and telling us about the whole COVID situation, about the procedures and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's like you're seeing a fighter doing the camp, but we're also educating them because uh, – People don't know, right? It's like how you said boxing is our grandparents' sport. It's my dad's sport. I grew up on it years old. I think I'm the last generation of like the people that walk boxing, right? When I was a kid and Julio Cesar Chavez was on his way out. And uh, so that's kind of like the thing, but it's it's educating because people don't don't know it. And so how Goyito and Andres earlier, we talk to you as if you and I are, are having a beer and, and you're asking me about MMA and I'm explaining it to you to the point where you understand but I'm not giving you the encyclopedia description, but I'm giving you the, hey, let me simplify it for you so you can understand and you can follow. And now you can watch it and you enjoy it because people weren't educated, but now people are watching it. And it's like my friends, Gonzalo's friends, Goyito's friends, Andres' friends, they watch it and they're like, they're fans now. So um, for example, and that trickles down. So um, that's that's exactly, I think, what, what I, you guys are saying. Yeah, so one I, I, one of the episodes we have is called Intro to the MMAs, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of a, explaining for dummies, right? What is MMA and how it started and how the sport became the sport. Um, and I, I thought, I, you know, I, I met with them, with my team, and I told them, that I, need, I need this episode. Like, we need this episode. Because this episode is the one that's going to bring in the new fans. Mm-hmm. So the guys that are like, okay... Uh, there is no soccer, there is no baseball, there is no NBA, there is only fighting. Because at the time, it was only UFC was doing events, right? So I need this guy. And that 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 is the one of the shows most people have to watch. Uh, because it's the one that is easy to express. Okay, or have a friend. And if, you, if your friend doesn't know what is MMA, or send him that video. He will understand now what it is. Um, but yeah, like 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 Baluse is 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 teaching is teaching the sport. And I think Gojito was one of the first ones to have to go to all the like uh, media stations and explain that he's not a drunk that goes on a bar and he gets paid to fight on a cage. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that's the, the, it's something that we have to do to make the sport grow, to make the fighters grow. It's pretty much. And you guys still maintain that, you know, that camaraderie that comes across on, on the screen. How hard has that been during COVID? You know, I mean, you guys are all over right now, right? I mean, you got, you know, someone's in Mexico. Goyito, I think, was in Connecticut recently, you know, to fight. Yeah. And you guys are all over. How has it been putting on a show on Zoom? I mean, basically. Uh, wait, with Goyito's training closer to him, like like we said, we I, I'm super experienced with fight camps as a coach and as, you know, being there and all involved. As a fighter, I know what they do. I know what they want. And, and we all we've all seen it. So we respectfully backed off from him when he was getting closer to his fight. Mm-hmm. Now he was gracious enough to want to do it, or he would send us. And it was more like, hey, we're gonna do the show. We're gonna bring another fighter in just to mess around. And, and and you know that's known in Latin America. You focus on your fight, man. You do your thing because we know. Goyito lives the arduous life of an athlete, someone who has to train year-round, but also has the time to drop by weekly and offer his expertise to the show. It's astounding, especially considering the demanding year we are all having right now. But it, but he looks good. <laughs> Every single time. You cannot even imagine how his screenshots of we frozen we have on that show. But I, I'm going to pick on Balu, what Balu was saying. But yeah, so we, we know that the situation of three of the three of us were all over the place. We, um, me as a producer, we, we actually, we don't use Zoom. And we use our own, like our streaming platform that we use and to record and all the stuff. Um, but the, 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 I think the trickiest part is to to get the time, you know, like, especially with, with Gojo, that is the most busy one. Because the rest of us is like, you know, uh, but with Gojo we have to deal with. Okay, Gojo, when when can you? Uh, and he's like, no, I, I can't this day. Or he even he even took time off his camp on one Saturday really early to do the show. So we have to do the live on that time. Um, but yeah, that's that's how we have deal with. Also, we have a lot of like 
fighters that are gonna that we try to get them after they fight so they have time instead of getting them when they are in fight camp because we know what fight camp is and then you have to do all these interviews that you don't want you don't to want do. to do <laughs> and you know so that's I a figure out. I was explaining how this happens to us every single time with you oh yeah bullshit we <laughs> <laughs> need an internet sponsorship uh yeah man also um I was trying to say basically that we, we we gave him a space right where where we were able to work it out together and, and everyone uh, you know we understand the sport so we knew we knew when to when to bother him when not to bother him and then you know even after the fight give him some time off and stuff like that so we we all work well together I mean there's there's it's just scheduling right it's like everyone just has to work well with their schedules and and we make time if one guy can't do it then we figure out a time to do it at night if, if the train. <laughs> too many porno, Balu, too many porno. We're giving He has to edit all this thing. He has to edit. He's got to erase those cookies. Yeah. He's going to have to start cutting, cutting, cutting. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, a question for Goyito. Um, going on that, how is it being an athlete and also being on the show? You know, um, yeah, when I was started fighting in the UFC, it was like my second fight after my second fight. Uh, the producer of UFC in Espanol, uh, is Karen Porley, and but in that time, hmm. 10 years ago, I was 22 years old. He called me after my second fight and say, Hey, Goyito, you wanna be uh, analyst for UFC for the uh, TV in Spanish? For the UFC, and I said yes. Why not? So, so the, uh, Karen Purley called me from New Mexico, and but that time I was living in New Mexico. Uh, Sent me from New Mexico to Ale over there in, in Burbank to make the the show of the UFC or be an analyst in Spanish. So it was my first time doing analyst, and I was. I was just talking by fighting uh, the techniques is something I, I love to, to do. Like I love, I love to train. I love to fight. And also I love to talking by fights. I love to, to like, like tell the people how, how the technique work and how the technique, the, the other guys need to do to, to, to get out of, of the one submission or something like that. And so it was my first show. And after my first show, the producer came to 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 the to the sala and say, "Hey, Goyito, you have a new job. You, you're gonna be an analyst for, for the UFC. Every time you can, when you can, you you, you just call me and you have you, you work here. So I was working for like uh, five years in UFC for analyst." And also, I love it. After the UFC, I moved to Combate. And Combate, I was fighting. I do. I was analyst too. And I love it. I love talk about fighting. I love the training. I love. I love everything by MMA and mixed martial arts. If you're talking about Entre Rounds, you're really talking about a brand with three main components. There's the show, Entre Rounds, a show that gives inside and MMA discourse to the Latino community. There's Entrevista, a weekly segment that dives deep into the life of one particular athlete, bringing a personal touch to the proceedings. And then there's Entre Compas, kind of like kicking back with a beer before the weekend bout, talking about the fight at hand. And, you know, um, I know we, we keep talking about this, but I think the easiest way to kind of inform uh, a whole generation and, uh, you know, a whole, uh, you know, Latinos about the sport is, you know, just shoot the shit with them, you know, and it sounds like, you know, that's kind of what you guys do. Um, explain a little bit about like all your offerings, you know, there's, there's, you know, the compas, which is very loose. Um, and, you know, just all the different iterations that people can find you on and what are the ideas behind them? Um, so, so we have, let's say we have three products, right? So far away, I'm going to make a four one when the pandemic is over. That is, uh, so we have Entre Rounds, right? That is a pretty simple name that we came out in one afternoon, super fast. Um, so the, the Entre Rounds comes with, with the segment Al Cien. That is when we're going to explain what happened on the, on the, on the weekend, 
right, with the fights. And we're going to explain what's going to happen next week on this, on the upcoming fights, right? Um, so that's pretty much like the news letter. Like you get your information there, what's going to happen, who's going to win. They, they make their predictions. They, sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. But it's prediction, right? It's a fight. You, any punch can change the game. And then we have a, a segment there. When we do an in the same show in Entre Round, that is our Tuesday show, we do the entrevista. That is a kind of a short to meet a fighter, to meet a promoter, for example, to meet the president of a regional league, or or fighters that are just like they feed our time and we can have them on that show. And then we have that show Entrevista. That is our more deep segment of like interview like we go we go deep with this fire we go deep with we have with or referees or people in the industry and and we go and talk with them for almost like it's all seriously that show is is really long it's at an hour i have to cut it to 40 minutes because it's it, it goes it, they talk about everything they talk about music they talk about what they like so it's more about to know the fighters and to know who they are more than that oh how is your camp going like how 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 is your weight cutting? You know, like the simple question that we always ask. This one is more about what you like, how is you know why you why you train so late, stuff like that. And then um, we have the entre compass. So the entre compass is an idea that Gojito came up with because he wanted to talk about the fights on the day of the fight. And he's like, no, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk about the fight, but we'll be super chill. And I'm okay, fine, let's do it. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that day is like, okay, this is what's gonna happen. Who is gonna win? Uh, and that's when they make predictions, and with the, the three of them, they sometimes they bet to each other. You know? um, always, I won the bets. Always, always. <laughs> usually win. Never have we paid. Yeah, and that in that that show is, I think, is one of the shows that have more interactions with people because people also like, you know, we will we ask them like, who's gonna win? So they start having this conversation, right? And Andres sometimes he gets fired up, right, because. You know, like they're like, no, you don't know nothing. <laughs> uh, but but that, that's the situation. We want people to interact. We want people to tell us, like, no, you don't know nothing. Okay, so what? How? What do you know? Tell us what you know, um, because that's what you want. You want people to interact. You want people to like hate and love you. That's, that's pretty much, you know, what as a producer, my goal is to. I want haters and I want lovers. You know, I need both to defend me. I want to attack me. If no, there's no point. Um, and then the other one that I wanted to do is called Entrenando, right? That is the one that I wanted to do it with once this pandemic is over, I can go to a gym and all the stuff, is to teach actually techniques. So to teach the basic of what is a jab, what is a cross, what is a, some jiu-jitsu, some judo, some really basic stuff that we can teach people. And when they see it, they're like, oh, that's a mataleon, mm-hmm. right? Well, sometimes you just say mataleon. And when I when I came to this sport, I didn't know anything because I was doing I was a producer for film and I was doing music with the Kiji. So nothing, you know, I, nothing to do with this. Um, and I have to be to Andres and Palu like, okay, what is a Mataleon? He's like, no, let me explain you. And they did it to me. That's the easiest way for you to learn what is a Mataleon. You know, you put your arm here and then you press it. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, so that's another segment that I wanted to do eventually for the show, and I think is is necessary to to teach people, you know, at least take some techniques and to see that in in more simple and plainer way because they don't have that. Andres was born in Venezuela and he skirted the draw of the national passion that is baseball for this crazy MMA sport he happened to catch on TV as a kid. Eduardo, also known as Balu, he found the sport after his cousin picked him up from the airport, told him to put on some board shorts and gave him a trial by fire in the sport. Pipo left Argentina for an opportunity with Combate, a decision that catapulted him into an entirely new direction. Coito? He very literally discovered the sport on the streets of Guadalupe, Mexico. They all got here via different paths, but have one thing in common, and that's their shared love of Deportes de Contacto. My next question, too, um, I won't keep you guys too much longer, is, you know, where did you guys fall in love with MMA? You know, with Gonzalo, it sounds like you kind of were thrown into this sport and then found a love for it after. Um, is that is that the case? And then for the rest of you guys too, like, you know, when did you guys fall in love with MMA? How old were you and, and all that good stuff? <laughs> no, I'll I, I respond that first. I, I, I fell in love when fighting. When I was born, in, I was three years old. I was fighting in, the, in my house. I have two big brothers who showed me how to fight. And when I was five years old, 
my brothers take me to the to the street and make me fight when when the kids over there on the street they're like hey you need a fight if you don't fight i'm gonna fight you so i fall i've fallen in love with the fighting uh since i have since i have remembers on my 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 challenge and uh and yeah from that to right here uh, to to that time i'm i'm still in, in love with, with mma when mma when fighting when uh, uh boxing i, I love all, all the all the all, all the deportes de contacto you know? i love it. <laughs> it for me the the love i knew about the sport like 2001 2000 or 2004 but i didn't really follow it um I was living in New York City at the time, and in 2007, I moved to San Francisco, California. Uh, I have a cousin who's a real—he's my favorite fighter in the, in the world. His name is Gilbert Melendez. Picks me up at the airport, 2007. Asked me if I have a pair of board shorts. I said yes. I had no—I thought we were going to the beach. Takes me to train the next day, and I got my ass handed to me till 2012, I think. So. Um, I got thrown into the pit and it was something that changed my, my life forever. I was in finance, man. I, I like finance. That's what I did. Um, I liked always the business aspect of it. And, but the love of the sport was for me being part of that team, part of the gym, the, like the, like the brotherhood, right? So it's a legal form of being in a gang where you don't go to jail, but it's a gang. So it's like, I was part of it and, uh, I was able to turn my, uh somewhat experienced in the business side and, and put it in involved with with something i fell in love with and so i started doing managing and then i started doing coaching at the same time and then uh competing like on the jiu-jitsu side and being a punching bag sparring partner for years so that my love for the sport was being hands-on with some of the best guys in the world and uh, i got hooked on it nice this um this sport i remember back in, in my country Venezuela, there, there was no MMA. I'm talking about year 2002, like something like that. And they, can you hear me guys? Yeah. So, so there was a TV channel, sports channel, national channel. They, they broadcast everything. But one day, I, it was like, like 12 at night, something like that. I was swapping and that channel was putting the intro of, of the UFC. I will never remember like the, you know, the, the low of the USC with a guy like this. So many, so many people say that's Pete Ortiz. I don't know. But the first fight, and I was with the intro, I was a kid. I was like, well, what, what's, what's it? And it was like a compilation of fights. The first fight they, they put in was Marco Ruas versus Paul Valerans. If you remember, Paul Valerans was a huge guy. And Marco Ruas was a, was a skinny Brazilian guy at the time compared to his opponent. And he kicked the shit out of him, and he beat him, and I was like, wow. And I saw the whole show, and it was like, I was so pumped for it. thing is that I was a kid still, and my, my parents won't let me train or something like that. I had to wait till I had 17. A friend a friend told me, hey, you want to train? I'm doing my tire. Yeah, let's do it. I was escaping till I was 18. I was going to train. But by training, I got so engaged with the sport. And in, in, that, uh, in that time, I remember Brock Lesnar went to the UFC, Like, the sport was getting big. And after that, I went to college. I got my, my journalist uh, degree. But uh, the surprise is that everybody thought I would pursue baseball because that's what we do in Venezuela. Like, in Venezuela, you're born, you grow up, you play baseball, and you die. Or soccer, because it, it's, it's like, for us journalists, it's like soccer is a, the sport that has more movement. It's more easy to get. And I was like, no, I want to do it in MMA. Obviously, everybody... Where I come from was like, bro, are you fucking out of your mind? Like MMA, what's that? Like, are you gonna fucking risk your life for that? And yeah, what I did, I I, I remember I had a couple of cash, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna go to the United States. Uh, my uncle, may, he can he may give me his sofa, you know, his couch. I can try it. And you know, one thing goes to another, and and, and I end up working in a an MMA promotion now doing this. So yeah, that's that's kind of my MMA background story. I. Like, I literally got hooked by that Marco Ruas and Paul Warren's fight. It was, like, mind-blowing for me at the time. Um, in my case, I, I was definitely one of the... I, I knew about the sport, the guys in the cage, you know? 
uh, nothing special about that. Never follow it. I was a soccer. I used to live in Argentina, so soccer was huge. Um, but then the opportunity to work for Combate was was there, and I was like, okay, let me let me do a research and about this sport because I was doing PR. And I think I I fall in love with the sport because I still have a lot of things to learn. I still don't understand a lot, right? Um, so that's why I have these three guys because I think they are awesome. So I watched that. I rewatched my show to learn. Because the first thing that I, I do it, you know, I have to produce it, I have to do all the stuff. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna, now I'm going to enjoy it because now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn. Now I'm going to learn from this dude, you know, because sometimes you don't pay attention. I'm like, my Luis talking, I'm like, no, it's not your turn, you know, or, or we're sending to commercials or stuff like that. Um, but the, the thing that makes me love the sport is the fighter's journey to the cage. Uh, and when I was doing PR and I have to interview a lot of fighters, um, because I need to hear their stories. So I can pitch the stories to the media. And you find some story that you are like, wow. Now, I want you to win. I don't know how good you are, but I want you to win just because your journey is amazing. Like Ojito's journey is one of the best journeys ever. Like first fighter, in Me- Mexican fighter to make it to the big leagues. He opened, the entire, he opened the entire door for the entire generation of fighters. Um, and these guys, they, they come from like, some of them, they come from nothing with just a dream and they just want to fight, right? So they're, 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 they're called crazies. Some of their families doesn't support them because it's crazy, right? You're going to get punched in the head and then what? With kicks and all the stuff. Um, so I think that that journey, that the story behind every single fighter is that, is that what I make me like the sport in a way that I wanted to to invest. I, I'm, I'm usually, I'm what they call this three that I'm the new fan of the sport, right? Mm. So I'm trying to learn. So I think that's probably why this, the, the show come along so good because you have three of them. I have three like guys that know the sport, but I don't know nothing. So I'm like, don't name me. Comp- if I don't understand what you're talking about, the audience is not going to understand. The audience that knows you guys is going to, but the ones we want to teach, no. As people explains, if he doesn't get what is being explained on the show as a producer, it's going to go over the audience's head. This is a show dedicated to making MMA accessible, after all. Uh, so that's pretty much that's that's how I, we have been working, and I think yeah, I, MMA is now it's, it's kind of it's, it's, it's a fun sport. I, I still I, I love it, and I'm still learning because still a lot to learn. And that's something I did want to touch on too. Is Goyito? What was it like being a pioneer? You know, coming in as, as the first Mexican to the show. You know, um, and how has the sport grown since that time? First of all, it was a a pain on the ass sometimes because uh, every and every channel I need to explain the MMA. You know, this MMA you need to do jujitsu, uh, wrestling, blah blah, and all the time. Uh, the people on the television is like, ah, you're a street fighter. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not a street fighter. The street fighter is like, uh, I'm going to talk in Spanish because my English is that. Because uh, cuando eres un peleador de la, de la calle, solamente te preparas en la calle, pero cuando eres un peleador de artes marciales mixtas, estás cinco, de cinco a seis horas en el gimnasio cada día, te levantas, vas, solamente comes, entrenas y duermes. Hasta nada de coger a veces porque las piernas no te dan. Entonces, eh, 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 es un deporte que te desgasta demasiado física, mentalmente. Es un desgaste demasiado para ir y demostrarlo en 15 minutos. Entonces, yo creo que, que, que el deporte de las artes marciales es el deporte más fuerte en todo el mundo. Eh, eh, yo, yo siento esto es el MMA, la gimnasia y la lucha estilo libre, son los tres deportes más fuertes del mundo eh, y al principio el, el explicar eso todo el tiempo lo tenía que estar explicando en cada, en cada televisión eh, every time, everybody give me the same question and uh, you guys from the street, you guys fight in the street and no, no, no. So it, it was a pain on the ass sometimes, but at the same time, I love it because I'm introducing to my people, to Latin America, the MMA. And the MMA 
Uh, by that time, he was growing. I was 22 years old. It was eight, eight, eight years ago. And to the eight years ago, uh, right now, the MMA is like growing so crazy, growing so fast. It's a lot of schools in, in every state of Mexico, a lot of, a lot of schools of MMA. And now the karate school, and now switch to MMA school. <laughs> so it's, it's some uh, very good teams. Uh, I love I love being the first Mexican Mexican born and, and, and training in Mexico to 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 get in the UFC. And yeah, it, it was it was a good experience. <laughs> and I guess that leads me to. Um... What what, it, what would you say, I guess, to Latinos out there? Because, you know, you go to a bar on Saturday and Sunday afternoons and it's Chivas is playing on the TV, you know, or a baseball game. Um, like Andres was saying, you know, growing up in Venezuela, it's been all baseball. We're talking, you know, Argentina, it's soccer. Mexico, it's always soccer. Um, what would you tell Latinos out there? Because that's what your whole show is about, is showing them, hey, we have tons. There's tons of talent out there. There's so many great stories out there. For you to come and follow, um, kind of what, what's your what's your what's your thoughts on all that? You know, what what would you tell Latinos that are like, you know, why MMA? Why MMA? Yeah, I you know, so it's like some people who who some regular people who like the football, who like the soccer, and some other people who like the boxing, you know. And some other people like yeah, I think it's a sport for every every people, you know. And why MMA? I think MMA is if you see a fighter, si si ves un peleador, sabes que lo está haciendo con por el corazón, no sabes que lo está haciendo porque le gusta, porque al final de cuentas cuando empiezas a hacer este deporte no te pagan, no te pagan muy bien. Al, al cambio, los, los futbolistas, desde que empiezan con primeras divisiones, ya tienen demasiado dinero. Entonces, tú sabes que son deportistas que lo hacen de corazón porque lo aman. Y, y por qué ver el MMA, yo creo que, es que, que tiene todo. Y aparte de demostrarte lo bonito que son las artes marciales mixtas, te muestran el respeto. El respeto que se tienen dos atletas que se dan en la madre pero al último siempre se dan la mano porque eso es un, un deporte de caballeros. Yo creo que, que el MMA es el deporte más completo y más de caballeros eh, en todo el mundo. Y es un sport, you know, you, you know, it's one on one. It's, you know, you have your training behind that. But one thing that I find with you guys is there's a community. Um, you know, if you love MMA, you're about MMA, there's a community there. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the background of Entre Rounds, you know, am I right? Or, I mean, um, it might be, you might be a solitary type of, you know, one fighter against one fighter, but it really is no, a family I'm, when you talk about that. I'll talk, I can tell you about that. Uh, MMA is, MMA, like jiu-jitsu, is one of the only sports in the world where you can train alongside your favorite athlete. You can't, I think I told you guys this when I met you guys, you can't throw the football with Tom Brady. You can't play basketball with LeBron, right? You can't play soccer with Beckham unless you like pay some type of win a win a, an event. MMA is the only place that you can go to the gym and you can train next to Goyito. You can train next to John Jones. You can grapple with them. You can physically get involved with them without getting hurt because it's part of the sports, part of the training. Uh, like I said earlier, you become part of this like brotherhood, uh, form of a team where it's like, you, you, you know, you're, you're repping the flag. I mean, shit, you get tattoos sometimes, bro. You know, it's like you, you do stuff like that. Where it becomes it becomes part of you, uh, you 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 get to train with these fighters. Where you become you feel like you did something to help them in their camp, right? So you were part of it by rolling with them, or by or by holding mitts for them, or by just going running on the beach or the track. You can do things like that within that community, uh, and you belong to the gym. And so the gym always gets behind it. Uh, the fighters, you know, love the support, especially when there's like 50 people from your gym that aren't your family wearing your t-shirts in the stands and cheering you on. So you'll see that if you ever go to an MMA event, I don't know if you have or haven't, but it's one of the most exciting things. And like, it, it's a very awesome adrenaline rush when you're not working, when you're not working, right? When you're there as a fan, it's an awesome experience and adrenaline rush where you're just like, wow, 
or you see these guys just fight and go out there and you're just like, oh my God, I'm a fan. I love this guy. I don't know anything about him, but I'm a fan because that guy went all out and he almost got knocked out, but he came back and won. I'm part of this guy's team now. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's like that thing where you have something to like support, but you can actually be part of it as well. Just like the rest of us, the guys are looking for more of the simple things we took for granted before the pandemic, sharing a chat and a beer and doing it in person. It's quite a wonderful idea. After COVID, what are you guys looking forward to after, you know, once this whole thing ends? I get a beer together. Yeah. You, know, you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Like, we're, we're doing all of this. And actually, I haven't seen Balu like, almost in a year, maybe. Like, September. That's the most. That's I haven't seen since December. Yeah. So every day, every day, you know, like managing and, and, and putting everything together. And we, we haven't been able to, you know, sit down and grab a couple of beers and, and, you know, and chill and talk MMA like in person. So that's what I'm looking the most for. Well, like, like get together and, and, and yeah, that, I think that's what I'm looking for. And that, that's funny he says that because we were together for like, three years three plus years of every week we go home to get new underwear or do laundry (laughs) and then tuesday you were back at the at the hotel and we were and and guess what we did this is what we did we talked and we'd sit at the bar on our only time off to talk about mma or we would train you know andres and i did a trip to latin america where we did a scouting he came with me and we trained because Goyito told him he should fight. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know? and it's like, I had to talk the guy out of it. I don't want him to get murdered. But like Goyito, I, you know, we live close to each other. So we get to some, once in a while, we'll see each other. We'll train. I got to train with him a little bit. Um, I haven't seen this, but like, I said, but we were together for so long, basically three days out of the week, at least three days out of the week for three years to where they were like my brother's. And then I had my family at home, but they were my family traveling. So it, it's it's weird that we don't get to see each other. But I, I honestly, it feels the same. I mean, it feels the same to me. But but if we, uh, but yeah, for sure, we would love to do a show all together, like yeah. in the same room, would be awesome. We need to come to Tijuana to do this show and get us on beers. Yeah. So hopefully soon. Go podcast is edited by Dylan Wren. I'm your host, Gabe Zaldivar. If you like the show, you can help support it in a tremendous way by liking, following, and subscribing across your favorite streaming services. Give a comment or a five-star rating. With your support, you're helping give some of sports' greatest stories the spotlight they deserve. Next week, we do just that, pulling back the curtain on a rather uplifting sports story you might not know about. 